Hey, what's up guys? I'm so glad you found this video um, called um, Resisting the Therapist Who Threaten Your Marriage. And this is coming from the Take Back Your Marriage book. And uh, what a great book. And I, I hope that uh, as you begin this video, I just want to say a word to you that uh, of encouragement that you're doing a good thing here by investing some time and some energy into trying to better understand your marriage and trying to better understand how to relate to your spouse. And I want to give you hope. I want to offer hope that the fact that you're still working on your marriage, if, if you're in not such a great place right now in your home, the fact that you're showing effort and still working on your marriage is a good sign. It's a sign that, you know, it's not over yet. And uh, if you just persevere, sometimes you get, you know, through the winter and it seems like the winter's never going to end, you know, spring comes back around again. And things can warm up again if you guys can learn if you and your spouse can learn to hold each other through that coldness of that winter um, you can make it through to the spring and there's hope there's hope for your home there's hope for your marriage and this chapter this section today is all about how that sometimes it can be very discouraging when you go to get help uh, if there are issues or problems in your home or in your marriage even as parents if you go to a therapist or to a counselor, and I hate to say it, but even a Christian counselor or a pastor, sometimes can uh, can threaten your marriage, you know, to an even greater degree. Instead of being advocates for your marriage and advocates for your home and for your family, they, influenced by the rest of culture, can uh, you know be another voice and a professional voice that encourages you to just cut your losses and run. And if that's the kind of therapy you've gotten in the past, I want to encourage you that um, that, that isn't the only kind of therapy that's out there. Um, a lot of therapists, and I'm not the one saying this, this is a marriage therapist in his book who's talking about the dangers that, that can threaten your marriage by going to a, a, a marriage therapist who doesn't share a strong value for marriage. You know, some therapists kind of have the idea that a happy marriage or a happy divorce makes little difference to me. All I want to do is bring relief to you. And so advocating on your behalf uh, as though they are, you know, watching out for your best interest, they think of themselves more as liberators uh, from marriage, you know, whatever will make you happy. And so they become kind of midwives for divorce. You know, they, they may not care whether you are married. They don't have any necessarily interest in the productivity and successfulness of your home or the collateral damage that's going to be involved in a divorce. Uh, they may not think about your kids. They just want to say, what do you want? You know, what do you want? And I'm going to help you talk through. And it, it's kind of done in a sense like, like I'm being neutral as a therapist. I'm being neutral because I'm not trying to take sides. I'm not trying to tell you that you should stay married or that you should get a divorce, but that is not necessarily a neutral stance. What I mean is when you made a covenant before your family and your friends and your church or whoever, your community, and said that you would love this person till you died, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, then to take a stand that, well, I don't really care what happens in that commitment. I don't really... It doesn't, no skin off my back, whether you're true to that commitment or not. I'm neutral. To take a stand that you're not going to do everything you can do to support that commitment and support that, that contract, that covenant, is not a neutral stand. Um, it's a disguised stand, but it's not neutral. 
And it's important for you to recognize that, that this therapist um, may not be a big believer in marriage. They, they may be a big believer in you and your happiness, and they realize that you know your marriage is causing you pain right now because the winter's cold. You may go to a therapist and find that they ask you questions and provoke you to move farther away from reconciliation. You know, sort of give the implication that why would you stay in a relationship like this? It seems like you're miserable. It seems like, you know, this, you're overwhelmed with frustration. Uh, why would you stay in a situation like that? Why would you stay in a marriage like that? The implication is, is that you're dumb or you're stupid or you're foolish or you're naive if you continue fighting for your home, fighting for your marriage. So the word of caution from this chapter is, is that, you know, just because you make an appointment with a marriage therapist or a marriage counselor or a pastor for that, re for that matter, you make an appointment with somebody you think is going to help your marriage, they may actually facilitate its demise. Um, so you think, well, you know, things might improve now, things might get better because we have some appointments. And so, you know, you want to use a little bit of caution and want to go into it with your eyes wide open that not everybody is, is going to work, you know, to try to reconcile your home. Some people are just going to work to tell you what you want to hear or tell you what's easiest because it brings immediate relief. You know, it makes you feel better. It justifies your decision. And you go home saying, see, I knew I was right. Uh, I went there and I told the therapist, you know, how miserable I am. And he confirmed all of my uh, suspicions that this was too far gone. And now I feel justified that I can, I can do, you know, I can take the next step because I've got a professional that told me I was right. And he's just saying this marriage therapist that wrote this book, William Doherty, is just saying, use some caution. Don't uh, assume that every therapist or counselor you go to is going to hold a value or a high value of the marriage relationship. So something I thought he said that was interesting in this section was that, you know, in the 70s, 1970s, you know, there was a there was kind of like a realization that People could get a divorce if they were miserable, if they were abused, if they were mistreated, if they, you know, there's legitimate reasons, uh, marital unfaithfulness, there's legitimate reasons why people could be divorced. But sometimes like in the 50s, you know, he says there was such a stigma in the culture that people would stay together that really probably should have got divorced, that had grounds for divorce. But then like about the 70s and in the, into the 80s, you know, kind of like the chains came off and there's no more stigma. One of the things he says that back in the 50s or 60s, you know, it wasn't uncommon to see a newspaper article, you know, where divorcee had an accident and crashed your car. Like that stigma of being a divorcee or a divor divorce person kind of got attached to you. You were labeled as, you know, not a safe bet, a divorced person. And that kind of went away in the 70s and the 80s. And it became much more acceptable, much more culturally acceptable. As people went more and more into that mindset of the consumer-oriented mindset, it became much more reasonable and acceptable for people to get divorced and to be a divorced person. It was just like, well, there's a glitch. Things didn't work out. And so, you know, we went our own ways. And now yeah, I'm moving on with my life. In fact, it now kind of was applauded. Like you stood up for yourself. You're not going to take that garbage. You stood up for yourself and you got out and you, you know. And so the stigma went away. Um, 
And he said, you know, these therapists that are kind of encouraging people to consider divorce, it's like they're fighting a war that's no longer no longer being fought. They're generals fighting in the war that in the previous war. The war right now is not can people be liberated from the stigma of divorce and get divorced and go on with a normal life. That's not that's not the that's not the war we're fighting right now. What he points out in the book is the war we're fighting right now as a culture is could we stay together? Is can we can we work through our problems and not just cut and run when things aren't are disagreeable? That that's the war that we're fighting now. The chains, you know, that used to bind people, maybe when they should have had some freedom, the chains have turned into Velcro. And now every marriage, you know, seems like it's fighting an uphill battle to stick it out because, well, if I'm bored in this marriage or if it's not exciting or it's not thrilling or you're not responding to me the way I want you to, um, well, why should I stay in this? And I go to my therapist and they say, yeah, why should you stay in this? Let me help you facilitate a happier you and a happier you is a single you. That the real battle that we're fighting now as a culture is not to be liberated from marriage and be a normal quote unquote person. The real battle we're fighting as a culture is could we stay together and make it through this and come out the other side, you know, stronger and healthier than we were in the past. So I want to be a voice. I appreciate what he's saying in this book. And I, I want to be a voice joining with those other voices that are in the current struggle and saying, I want to do everything I can do as a as a uh, pastoral care person in people's lives and in couples' lives to try to facilitate uh, a more loving marriage. I want to be an advocate. And I think something he said that was really good was, is the therapist should be the last voice that's holding out saying things could turn around. Things could get back on track. You might not want to give up yet. You know, that that should be the voice of the marriage therapist saying, um, and I recognize I'm not a marriage therapist. I don't claim to be a marriage therapist. So if you're a marriage therapist and you're watching this, you might be losing your mind right now thinking, what's this? You know, uh, Johnny Yehu, what does he what does he know about any of this? And you may be losing your mind right now because I my my PhD isn't in marriage therapy. Um, but I deal with people and I deal with a lot of people and a lot of people in a lot of marriage problems and family problems. And I think, you know, it just helps confirm in my mind that I want to be a voice that that is the last holdout that says, you know, there's still hope and maybe we can make it through this. Maybe we could struggle through this. Maybe we could get through this. And I'm not, I don't think people should stay in marriages where they're legitimately being mistreated. Um, and they need to be safe and all that. But one of the things that's happened in our culture is if I'm bored or I'm frustrated or I don't feel like you're, uh, you know, responding to me the way I'd like you to, well, then I'm emotionally abused. We turn it into like a psychological you know, we use these labels and these terms that we kind of diminish their significance. You know, there are women and sometimes men and older people that legitimately are being abused. 
And I don't want to turn my frustration with a boring marriage into the same word, abuse, as somebody who's legitimately being mistreated. So enough about that. But long story short is I want to be a voice that joins with other therapists, counselors, uh, lay counselors, pastors, community workers, whatever. Just friends. Just friends. Forget all the titles. Just a friend of somebody who's in a marriage problem. I want to be a voice that says, look, you know, I know you're going through some hard things right now. I know it can be tough. I know it can be difficult. But I'm going to help you be true to the commitment that you made and to really identify what love is so that you can express that and show that to this other person that you've made a commitment to. You're not always going to feel the love that you want to from that other person. You're not always going to get the response you're looking for from the other person, but that's okay. What's important is that you focus on the love that you're supposed to be showing. And you know what's amazing when you think about it, guys, is at any time, in, in, at any time of any day, you are loved. Now, I know that as a minister, as a pastor, and you may not agree with that, and that's fine. But you got you to answer this question in some other way then. But I know as a pastor, as a Christian, that you are loved by all the universe, right? By God. He loves you, and He's created you for a purpose and for a reason, and He's designed you, and you are loved. You're broken, but you're loved, whether you feel loved by anybody else or not. In fact, the love that people show you like that love that you want from your wife right now or that love that you feel like you're missing from your husband right now is just drops in the bucket compared to the love that the creator of the universe feels for you. In fact, the love that they could give you is only love that's been generated by God himself. So here God wants to dump out a bucket of love on you every day. If you'll, if you'll understand that and you'll receive it and you'll just sit down for a minute, just 10 minutes, sit down for a minute and just let yourself experience the love that God has for you, the fact that you were created and designed for a purpose and in His image. And you don't have to do anything. You don't have to have any kind of accomplishments to warrant that love. You don't have to be a good person or be a nice person or get everything done in the right way before God loves you. If you can just experience that love for a second and then realize that any love that other people show you has to come from God as its origin and its source. And it can only be drops shown compared to what the creator shows you or wants to you to know and understand then it if i'm full already think about how different your life would be if you were full already full of love and you don't you're not compelled to try to earn and gain people's love well then you'd actually be free then to love them without thought as to well am i being treated fair am i being am i being receiving back that consumer mentality just goes away because you don't need it you don't need the other person to respond to you in some way because anytime you want to you can get alone and get tapped into the greatest source of love there is so you don't need to chase after everybody's little bits of doses little bits that they can give you when you've got an endless supply all right so what else do we want to say about this chapter there's a lot of unnecessary pain where'd i put my glasses here they are. There's a lot of unnecessary pain and unnecessary divorce created by incompetent therapists. Okay, and probably a lot of them are. I don't know. I can't really speak to that. Where they don't have enough education or their education is in the wrong areas. Um, I'm an incompetent marriage counselor. You know, I don't know. I just, I'm a student. I'm a student. I love people and I love information. I want to bring you what changes my life and my mind. Um, 
And he, one of the things he says is if therapists, marriage therapists, aren't having 70% or more retention rate, couples staying together, then they're not, they don't have a very good track record, okay? I can't speak to that, but that's pretty aggressive. 70% of the couples that you see stay together, that's awesome. And if it's less than that, he's saying, as a counselor, you gotta ask, where are you steering people to if they're not staying together? Not not every couple's gonna stay together. There's nothing you can do for some people. And that's a that's a big weight off your shoulders when you realize that. The people gotta wanna help themselves. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, right? You you people gotta want to change. And a lot of people don't want to change. You can give the medicine to people who are dying and, and they won't take it because it tastes bad. Oh, this tastes bad. Like you're dying. You need to take your medicine. I don't want to take it. And they'll die because they don't want to change. Some people you just can't you just can't help. Okay? All right. So what else here? Uh, uh, there's a sense of hopelessness that can come over a couple if they go to a therapist or a pastor or a counselor they think is going to help them. And that person diminishes them and says, wow, you know, this is really, oh, I don't know how you stay with this person. I mean, they kind of give the idea that that other person, you know, needs some kind of whiffle dust put over their head or some kind of, you know, psychotherapy or some kind of prescription or something. They need something special that, you know, that common sense can't address. And it just gives a sense of hopelessness. Like, see, this partner I'm with, my husband, my wife, they are broken. The therapist essentially said so. There's no hope for us now because it's it's fundamentally flawed and fundamentally broken. So best thing I can do is liberate myself from this broken person, from this broken marriage. Well, hey, here's the truth for you. You guys that know the Enneagram, all of us are broken. Hello? All of us are broken in some ways or another. We all got our impulses and our compulsions and our shame and our anger and our fear. We're all broken. Uh, but the cool thing is none of us are broken beyond repair. Um, redeemable. There's the word. Redeemable. Okay. If we will be a part of the solution. Like I said, some people don't want to be helped. If you'll be a part of the solution. But giving people the impression that there no solution is possible... That's, I think, what this author's getting at, is there's therapists out there that give the sense that, like, no solution would be possible for you guys. You all are a mess, and there's nothing that could be done. You know, okay. And that way it can kind of undermine, you know, what you're trying to accomplish as a, as a couple. All right, so we want a therapist that has a pro-commitment value. Committed to your home, committed to your marriage, not just committed to your happiness, right? Not just committed to your happiness, but your long-term happiness, your joy, your home. All right. So let's see. What else? He gives a value statement for a therapist. And I want to just hit a couple of these highlights. I affirm the unique value of marriage as a lifetime commitment. Most troubled marriages can be restored to health. Again, he doesn't put the word all in there because there's probably some exceptions where people just, I don't know. But most, probably yours, is uh, could be restored to health if both partners apply themselves vigorously to make that happen. In other words, quit blaming each other. You're the problem. You're the reason. And what can I do to get active in turning things around? 
So I got to vigorously uh, apply what I can to bring positive change into this home and preserve the marriage and find a better path to a better relationship. So love and fairness go hand in hand. I promote the needs and goals of both partners, not just I take one person's side against the other. You're right. He is a jerk. I can't do that. All right. Um, because marriages have other stakeholders, especially children, I help couples see how others are affected by their success and failure as a couple, as a marriage. So I want to remind this couple that it's not just about you and about your immediate personal happiness, but you're connected to a larger network of family and friends that will be affected uh, to a greater or lesser degree by the decisions you make as a couple. Um, let's see, what else in here? The, ultimate, you, the couple has the ultimate responsibility to make their own decisions, so I'm not making decisions for you. And I'll respect those decisions even if they're different than what I would suggest or what I think should be done uh, in your marriage. That basically summarizes his value statement. I think it's helpful. If you're gonna work with people, you're gonna be a people helper, then you kinda need to think through you know, your own value statements because those values will color and affect the way you try to help, You know, the kind of advice and counsel and encouragement that you give, and even the questions you ask, the assumptions, you should say, the assumptions that you have about marriage and the nature of marriage and the importance of it and personal happiness and all that are going to affect and color the way you try to help couples. Um, well, I think that pretty well summarizes this section. Um, you know, look for if you're in, if you're going to a counselor or therapist or need one, make sure you find somebody that's, that shares uh, a pro commitment to your marriage looking for your long-term benefits and health, not just will give you an immediate answer that make you feel better. Uh, and not somebody that wants to just have lots of appointments, you know, charge you all kinds of money or your insurance, all kinds of money for lots of appointments where you can dig into all the, everybody in your life has mistreated you. What you want is, I don't want somebody that's going to help me right now. Let's turn things around. I don't want to focus on the past. I don't want to focus on everything. Every you know, Love keeps no records of wrong. I don't want to focus on everything everybody's done to me. I want help for right now and to turn this marriage around so that we can have our best tomorrow. There we go. All right. As always, be present to life. Like, comment, and subscribe. If you know somebody's going through this issue right now, be feel free to share this video with them. Encourage them in any way you can. I appreciate you guys and the work you're doing and the help you're giving to others, the encouragement that you're giving to others, and let's do this together. Let's partner with each other, and as I learn and grow, I'll share this information with you so that you can then take it and change other people's lives, and together we're going to work, like I just said, work for a better tomorrow. All right, see you guys. Have a great day.